0: Louisiana's Way Home by Kate Camillo, uh, read with permission from Candlewick Press, chapter 19. When I woke up, it was morning and the sun was shining and I was in a bed and covered by a big fluffy quilt. There was a nightstand next to the bed. On top of the nightstand, there was a lamp with flowers painted all over the shade, and beside the lamp, there was a red plate with a biscuit on it, and the biscuit had some ham in the middle of it. This was exciting because I was very hungry. I sat up. There was a glass of orange juice on the nightstand, too, and there was a note. The note said, Honey, here's some breakfast. I thought you should go on sleeping. Burke is at school, and Burke's daddy and granddaddy are at Burke Allen Machinery. I am at Maribel's salon. I will call and check on you at lunchtime. Don't worry about a thing. From your friend, Betty Allen. It was the nicest letter I had ever received. It was certainly nicer than what Granny had written to me in her letter. Granny? That person I did not know at all. That person I was not even related to. I heard a tapping against the window. I looked up and guess who it was? Clarence the crow. He was sitting on Burke's shoulder and leaning forward and tapping the window with his beak. Oh, I wished I had a crow to sit on my shoulder and tap on windows. I just knew it would change my whole life for the better. Burke was smiling and waving at me. I waved back at him, but my heart was heavy. What was I going to do? I couldn't imagine. I truly couldn't. Burke and Clarence disappeared and there was nothing outside the window except trees and woods and a cloudy sky. Granny's letter was blowing around, out there somewhere in that world. Well, I hoped those pages blew as far away from me as possible. I hoped those words of hers were blown by the winds of fate all the way to China. That's what I hoped. And speaking of being blown by the winds of fate, where was I going to go? What would become of me? I could not seem to escape. The curse of sundering. Burke walked into the room, still smiling, and I looked into his blue eyes. And that is when I recalled his words from the day before about finding a magician who could undo the curse. And then I remembered the sign on Reverend Obertask's door: Minister's Office, Reverend Frank Obertask, Assistance, Advice, Healing Words. Wasn't a minister like a magician? Weren't healing words like a spell? Maybe Reverend Obertask knew some healing words that I that could undo the curse. I didn't need that granny person to undo the curse. And besides, I was finished entirely with counting on her. I would just get it done myself. I would get everything done myself. Do you know where the Happy Shepherd Church is? I said to Burke. The Good Shepherd? Yes, that one. Sure, I know where it is. Why? We need to go there. What for? said Burke. Because I am going to take action, I said. "'Don't you want to find the letter you was talking about last night?' said Burke. "'I do not,' I said. "'I don't care if I ever see that letter again. "'Also, last night you said your granny was gone?' "'That doesn't matter either,' I said. "'Because I have a plan.' "'All right,' said Burke. "'I picked up the ham biscuit and took a bite, and my goodness, it was delicious. "'Aren't you supposed to be in school?' I said to Burke. "'Burke shrugged. "'I skipped. I skip all the time. It don't matter.' What do I need school for? You don't need school to join the circus. Outside the window, I could see Clarence. He was looking at us, cocking his head first one way and then the other. I thought, wouldn't it be nice to be a bird and to have feathers and not have a care in the world? But Clarence probably had cares, because that is what it means to be alive on this infinitesimally spinning planet. It means you have cares, doesn't it? Why are you limping like that? said Burke. We were walking into town. Because, in a tragic moment of darkness and despair, I fell into a hole, I said. Oh, said Burke. We walked over train tracks. Clarence kept flying ahead of us, and then flying back, looking down and laughing. This is where I seen the circus, said Burke. He stopped walking. Right here. I was sitting on my grandpap's shoulders. I was, I don't know, maybe six years old? We watched the whole circus go by on the train. The giraffes had their heads sticking up out of the box car. There was lions, too, two of them. You could smell them. They was pacing back and forth in a cage. And there was this clown. His face was all painted up, and he waved at me, and that is when I decided that I was going to join up with the circus. If you join the circus, you have to travel all the time, I said. You have to leave everyone behind. The circus is just one long goodbye. How do you know? said Burke. And besides, I want to go out there and travel all over and see everything there is to see. I can always come back home if I want to. If I had a mother who was baking 17 cakes, I would want to stay right where I was, I said. Yeah, well, them cakes ain't for me. They're for the carnival, for the world-famous Betty Allen cake raffle. I have never heard of the world-famous Betty Allen cake raffle. Shoot, you haven't? I tell you what, people come from all over Georgia just to try and win one of Mama's cakes. For the rest of the way into town, Burke Allen told me all about the world-famous Betty Allen cake raffle and how Miss Lulu played piano music before each raffle number was called, and how one year a woman was so excited about winning that she fainted dead away when Betty Allen called her number. It sounded fascinating. Except for the part where Miss Lulu played piano. That was not fascinating at all. Is there a limit to how many cakes you can win, I asked? It's a game of chance, said Burke. There don't got to be a limit, because... It ain't nothing but chance. I thought I would have to tell granny about the world famous Betty Allen cake raffle because it was exactly the kind of activity she would be interested in. Imagine winning a whole cake! And then I remembered that granny was gone, that she had left me, and that she was not my granny at all. Was I ever going to get used to the fact that I had been lied to and abandoned? Well, I just could not say. All I knew was that my heart was broken into several hundred pieces and I was walking along beside Burke Allen and dreaming of cakes as if the world were a normal place. Clarence was flying ahead of us, his wings shining in the light. The world spins on just as Mrs. McGregor said it does. It spins infinitesimally, and it never, ever stops. Somewhere above us, Clarence laughed. I couldn't see him, but I could hear him laughing. We walked past Bill's taxidermy, and we walked past Dr. Fox's office. I thought about Mrs. Ivy sitting at her desk, typing out a bill and sending it to a person and an address that does not exist, and that made me happy. Down that road is Burke Allen Machinery, said Burke. That's where Grandpap and Daddy are right now, working on machinery. That's what they do all ding-dang and day long. They like working on machinery. And right there is the church, he said, pointing. You see it? Yes, I said, I see it. Me and Clarence will wait for you in the woods. I gotta keep a low profile. I can't let nobody see me skipping school. And so I walked into the Happy Shepherd by myself. I walked up the stairs, and there was Reverend Obertask's office, just where I remembered it being, just where I had left it. I knocked on the door. No one answered. I turned the knob and opened the door, and my goodness, there he was, Reverend Obertask. He was asleep. His feet were on the desk, and he was tipped back in his chair with his big arms hanging down on either side of him. His glasses were crooked on his face, and his mouth was open, and his face was covered in whiskers. Reverend Obertask looked very much like a walrus, and not one bit like a magician. The Georgia sun was shining into the office. It was lighting up all of Reverend Obertask, his nose and his sideburns and his mustache. I stared at him, and then I stared directly into the light. It occurred to me that the Georgia sun was different from the Florida sun. I knew that it was the same sun. Of course I did. There is only one sun, no matter where you go on this infinitesimally spinning earth. That is a fact. But there are facts, and there are facts. And one fact is that it is the same sun, and another fact is that if you are far from home and you don't know who you are, it is a very different sun. I was standing there thinking all of that when I noticed Reverend Obertask had a pipe in his right hand, and the pipe was dangling so low that it was almost touching the carpet. Reverend Obertask, the walrus magician, was inadvertently going to set fire to the sweet shepherd church.